Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ¡Por Dios! ¡Qué tensión! ¡Qué manera de sufrir! ¡Qué manera de salvarse! Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown for this second part of our preview for the season. I'm Matt Clark and today I'm joined by Rory Barlow, one of our co-hosts for the season. Rory, how are you? I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I am a little bit sad still about Leo Messi and I think I might be for quite a while because he's, he's been a part of La Liga and, and my life for, for many, many years. But we are here to talk about the bottom half of La Liga this time. And I'm more than happy to say I'm very excited about many of these teams. Yeah, you're right. I think the, the messy news will still take a while to soak in fully. Uh, you're absolutely right. We're going to be talking about the bottom half of the table this time, the relegation battle and the promoted clubs. And we'll have some insight from a couple of fans too. Okay, so why don't we start with the opening game. Getafe are visiting Valencia at Mestalla and it's the Bordalas derby. We've had a lot of change at both clubs. So, um, Rory, what's your take on the summer of change at both Getafe and Valencia? This is a, a spicy tie to start the La Liga season, isn't it? I think, although it might not be the most glamorous and certainly Los Che are not as glamorous as they used to be, this could be a very fun one. Jose Bordalas, he's a character, he's very particular and very idiosyncratic as, as one can see by, by his hair and his look. He does not cut the figure of a man who's aging into his 50s. But I think Valencia is a really curious club for him to take over in the sense that often he wouldn't get the chance to take over a club like Valencia without having another stepping stone from Hitafe. And so he gets, a, he gets some better players. He gets to work with Gonzalo Getch. He gets to work with the likes of Carlos Soler. And he gets to work for a club that has a bigger stadium. And we'll talk about the impact of fans later. But you have that increased fan base. And I think Bordelas is a man who knows what he wants. He's very focused. He knows what identity he wants to inspire within Valencia. And so for me, it will be kind of a Mourinho-like effect in the sense that if he can convince the players, because Bordelas has much of a reputation as he has in Spain, he's perhaps not the big name that Valencia are used to. If he can convince the players to get behind his idea and buy into what he is selling them, then I think Valencia could turn into a real sort of 
a, a bad boy of the league and in the same way that Hatafe were somebody that nobody wants to face and so yeah I think it'll be really interesting just to see the start that they have and what Bordelas can do when he has sort of a better squad because Hatafe was a limited budget at all times and although he got good results he was working with sort of limited resources I think he must have come in with certain assurances and granted it appeared as though Javi Gracia had those assurances and they weren't fulfilled last season. We know Lim does not have a track record of investing in his managers but investing in players and giving the manager sort of the, yeah, the squad to deal with. I think, yeah, those assurances must have been made and he must have had some demands. I don't think Bordelas it's the kind of character that would have been desperate enough to completely submit and say, I'm happy to come in and see whatever you've given me and I'll just deal with that and work with whatever you give me. I think he would have said, either retain these players and I want to work with them or if you're going to sell them, I need to have some reinforcements. But as we know, those promises have been broken before. It will be, as I say, he does have better players, I think, at Valencia still than Hatafe, And so even if he doesn't get huge reinforcements, the young talent that he has there is still quite a prospect for someone like Bordelas who's come up right through the, the regional divisions in Spain. Yeah, he's had a phenomenal coaching journey and we did a special podcast on him last season, so check that out if you haven't already. As for Getafe then, they've also got uh, a new face back at the helm, but it's an old face. Michel, he's back after 10 years and uh, it's been an interesting summer market for them. They brought in Carles Alinha. Vitolo, among others. So the squad profile there, it, mm -hmm. it's very different, isn't it? Again, it's, it's going to be a sea change at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez this season. Definitely, definitely. I think it's definitely a transition uh, season for them in the sense that they're clearly looking to go in a different direction from Bordelas. And Michel has had great success at Hitafe before. Not so much since he left, it has to be said. Alenya, I think when he and Kubo came in in the winter window for Hitafe, that marked the, marked the direction that Angel Torres wanted to go in. And even if Bordelas wasn't happy about it, I think Micha will appreciate that he has Vitolo and Carlos Alenya to work with. Whether it's going to be a success, I don't know what you think, Matt. I think sometimes when these new directions come in and it tends to be a move towards a more freer style, it can go pretty wrong because Hitafe, they didn't score a lot of goals last season and they might score a few more, but they can't afford to open up at the back too much. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Matt. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think be careful what you wish for is, is the phrase that comes to mind. I think it was 21 games they didn't score in last season in La Liga, which is staggering when you think about it. Um, <laughs> but as you say, the defence defense was still pretty strong. So that kind of they ground out enough points that way. Um, having said that, I, I do like the ambition, I have to say. I do like the ambition to try and play a more attractive style of football, to try and be, basically just to get rid of this bad boy image that people have of them, because for so long they've just been seen as the kind of, the kick merchants, the foul merchants of La Liga. And, and there's so much more than that. I mean, Marco Correa, for example, is a fabulous footballer and he might leave, of course, he's been linked with a move to Brighton. What remains to be seen whether that is, is, uh, is borne out. But, you know, if he stays, and with the players we've already mentioned, that, that's some talent in that squad. So, yeah, for mm. me, I, I'm quite optimistic about Hitafe. Um, but at the same time, with that caveat that, you know, 10 years on, be careful what you wish for, etc. Um, 
Speaking of Valencia, then how about their city rivals, Levante? They were so close last season to finishing above Los Che for the first time in their history. But after the Copa del Rey run, they just seem to run out of steam at the end of the season. What's your take on Levante ahead of this season? Levante in, in recent seasons, and Paco Lopez, the manager in particular, have carved out a soft spot in my heart because I really liked what they were doing and I admired their approach and, and the idea that Paco Lopez pursued. They do worry me a little because, as you say, they, they fell off at the end of the season and it, it seems like there's maybe a little bit of staleness around Levante. Paco Lopez made a name for himself playing free-flowing free -flowing football with a squad that perhaps wasn't as um, moneyed as others. And that was, that was admirable. I think he reverted a little bit last season, went a bit more counter-attacking. We saw the development of Jorge de Frutos was key to that. And he really came through. But once you lose the sort of essence of your, of your style and the thing that Paco Lopez made his name for, can he strike the balance again between that without completely losing his own direction? I don't know. I'm interested to see it. I think their cup run last season somewhat saved their season and made them... It, their season seemed a lot more successful than it was. But as you say, they did fall off last season and without that fall off, they could have finished much higher. Definitely. Um, as you say, Jorge de Frutos was certainly one that uh, did bear fruit for Levante last season, pardon the pun. <laughs> um, interesting though, the last few days have been some developments um, similar to Barcelona in many ways. It must be a blood runner thing, I don't know. But... Uh, there's been talk that Levante are going to be unable to register some of their new signings. Uh, they were unveiled um, at the stadium to, uh, and President Quique Catalan, he did say that there are difficulties, he admitted to those, but he, he was confident that it will be sorted before their opening game. Uh, among them, of course, Roberto Soldado, who could inject some more vitality into that attack. I know he's, he's getting on, but he's shown that he can do it at that level. And being back, back home, he will feel that he can still deliver for another couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, I think Levante is a very strange case. Um, they have a habit of being a giant killer. Uh, again, that's been to Barcelona's detriment a few times lately. And also Real Madrid, in fairness. And they took four points of Atletico de Madrid last season. So they are a side that can hurt the big teams. And I think a lot of neutrals will still enjoy watching Levante play. They have some fabulous footballers in the midfield in particular. And of course, El Comandante, Jose Luis Morales, is still going strong. Um, I think the neutrals, they're going to be the team to watch though, still, no? They could be, yeah. I think, as you say, they, they are having difficulties registering players. And I wonder how many of those saleable assets. Jose Campaña spent most of last season out injured. But if they do get him back, he really injects something into their midfield. Because, I mean, he was the first Levante player capped for Spain and about 60 years or so, which just shows how good he was at his peak. If he does go, then that sort of solves the problem. But you wonder if they maybe have to dig into Enes Bardi or one of their other talents like Jorge de Frutos to maybe try and try and register those players and solve those, those wage issues. They could, I think it could go one of two or three ways with Levante this season. And I'd certainly be interested to watch because... Paco Lopez has always come up trumps in the last three or four seasons. Yeah, he's, he's been very impressive. And even last season when it looked like he was on the knife edge and seemed like he was going to get the boot, 
the, uh, the president maintained faith in him and, and he turned it around. Espanyol finished rock bottom of La Liga in 2020, having endured a desperately poor campaign. But they bounced straight back as Segunda champions and are now back where they belong. Sam Leverage caught up with Jeff Gillingham to assess Los Pericos. Hi Jeff, thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us after a year away. So what's happened over the last 12 months for Espanyol? They kind of won Segunda, but stumbling over the finishing line and, and winning the league at Alcorcón despite losing. What what happened in Segunda for Espanyol? Yeah, so I think, it well, ultimately it was a case of being able to keep hold of most of our main first team players. I mean, obviously RDT was the main one. Um, but then there were times in the season where we just kind of I don't know, just knew we could walk through games and still get a positive result. So it kind of got to the point where, especially towards the end, once we'd actually sealed promotion and there was a title still up for grabs, it was kind of like, well, we've done the hard bit now. Uh, we can afford to relax a little. But then, like, so the way we ended the season wasn't obviously the most positive. But, um, yeah, I think ultimately the goal was just to come up at the first time of asking and yeah and you mentioned they're kind of the guys that you kept hold of what about Raul de Thomas obviously he's kind of the star man at Espanol how did he get on yeah so he well he did really well um I think he got I can't remember exactly how many but it was over 20 goals and it was well the front three we had of him and Barber and Javi Puado was kind of I mean that's like a first division front three in my opinion um, and they were just linked up really well. And yeah, it just kind of allowed us to, when you've got that firepower and attack, it's kind of like, I don't know, like when Barcelona had the MSN, like you can afford to have the rest of the team have an off game because you know that they'll take one of the few chances that might arrive. And so comparing Espanyol now to the Espanyol that went down, what would you say the biggest changes in the team? Well, when we went down, we were able to get rid of some of the dead wood. So as much as I love him, Javi Lopez, it was maybe four years too late in terms of him going. Then there was Victor Sanchez. Uh, it was just kind of like those fringe players that didn't really need anymore. Like we've still got Didac, who I'd put in that group. Uh, but at least he's sort of behind Adria Pedrotha now. Um and yeah, I th well, ultimately, I think the main thing was we kept hold of the our key players, uh, which I didn't expect to have happen. Um, but then... Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that it kind of seems like you got rid of the dead wood, kept hold of the key players and gave some chances to the younger players. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a right back, for instance, we, it was quite nice because we could like alternate between Miguelon and Oscar Hill. But then you also had like Katie Bade did well when he came in. Um, obviously going down a division allowed Javi Pardo to have more minutes um, and then yeah Barber looked more comfortable so I honestly think though if Covid hadn't happened that we would have stayed up but I mean there's nothing you can do about that now <laughs> <laughs> No but back in Primera now and 
And what do you think then of Vicente Moreno? Obviously, came in from Mallorca and got the job done. Yeah. Uh, Spanish fans convinced, or I think there's doubts. I mean, I see sometimes. Well, after some of the results, especially towards the end of the season, you started seeing in group chats.、Uh, maybe when we go up, we need to change manager, etc. I think. I mean, he hasn't done anything terribly wrong.、Um, there were a few moments. Um, more towards the first half of last season, when I started thinking, Jesus, like this is not going how I thought it would. I thought because I figured we were just going to, I don't know, be finished thirty points ahead in first, and yeah, it didn't exactly happen like that. So I get the feeling that if we have a poor run of results, then obviously he'll come under pressure. But for the time being, I think obviously he's. Done the job that he had to do, which was get us out of the second division. So yeah, I think he's, I think he's safe for now. Yeah, and obviously after last time in Primera with the managerial merry-go-round、yeah. before relegation, you don't want to repeat of that. <laughs> and what's the what's the view on the the owners? Because obviously there was a lot of anger with them with relegation, but they kind of stuck with the club and they haven't pulled out like other foreign owners have. So yeah. Are fans still angry with them? Or I don't think so. I d- I don't really see much、um, directed towards the owners. Like if anything, the fact we were able to keep hold of people like RDT and and Barber, Dardai, David Lopez, even Diego Lopez,、uh, they're all sort of big earners. So I know we had large parachute payments, but I'm sure the owners sort of had to put a bit of their own money in or whatever. But I think.、Um, Well, I think part of the reason we haven't really invested this summer is because of like China's put restrictions on how much you can spend on like foreign aid type stuff. So like Inter have had the same issue.、Um, so yeah, we haven't exactly made any huge signings yet. It's just been we kept our three low knees, so Dimata, Miguelon, and Badillo, and then I think we yeah, and we got Sergio Gomez from Sevilla for like one million euros. So, yeah, I was going to say, are you expecting more signings? Does Espanol need more signings? I mean, obviously, I'd like another signing or two, but, <laughs>、um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to another goalkeeper just because I lost faith in Diego Lopez. Now, I mean, any shot from distance, it's like he doesn't see it coming or he's too slow to get down.、Um, and then, oh yeah, he's okay, but he's not. If we're gonna really start pushing, I, I think you need someone better. But yeah, I think the main goal of this summer is just trying to keep hold of everyone because at the start of the summer we kept being linked to strikers, and I thought, oh god, RDT is gonna go, but he's still here, and yeah, all the time we've got this front three, I'm quite happy.、Um, yeah. And so, what's the aim for Espanol this season, Jeff? What would you be happy with? Well, survival. Obviously,、um, but then I, I think Europe's probably beyond us. To be honest, I think if we could finish between, I don't know, tenth and fourteenth, that would be a good season, and then hopefully build on that, like the following year. But、uh, yeah, I'm not too sure in terms of. I mean, obviously, it's still a few weeks ago in the transfer window. So if we lose RDT on transfer deadline day, then all of a sudden it's just survival. But if we I don't really know who's available that we could realistically bring in. It would probably be like a low knee or something, I imagine.、Um, 
so yeah, I think just around mid-table would be a pretty good season for us. Fantastic. Yeah, fingers crossed. And then it'll just be like the last couple of seasons never happened for Espanyol. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily no fans saw last season, so it's almost like it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Can dream. Great. No, thank you very much for your time, Jeff, and great to have you with us. Perfect. Cheers, Sam. We're going to take a short break now, but uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the clubs in the bottom half. Don't go away. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. Still to come in part two, we look at the other promoted sides and the rest of the clubs hoping to avoid the dreaded drop. Mallorca went down along with Espanyol, but they had a strong Segunda campaign to win automatic promotion at the first attempt. To see how they might fare this time around, I spoke to Paul McGarrigy, football writer and Mallorca fan. So I'm here with Paul McGarricky. He is the senior football writer for Over the Bar and he is the man from Manchester who supports Mallorca. Thank you for coming on, Paul. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. Good to hear. Good to hear. So uh, for those listeners that haven't been following Segunda, how would you describe Mallorca's uh, promotion campaign back in the Liga at the first attempt? Yeah, so um, it started off with... uh bit of a disappointment on the opening match day, losing 1-0 at home to Rayo Vallecano, who obviously we would see as a direct uh, rival. But then Mallorca went on a like a 17-game or 18-game uh, undefeated streak. Um, so it, 
it kind of it got to a slow start, but it was it was all charred from then on. Bit of a wobbly uh, period uh, just after Christmas, but enough to get over the line um, and get the the promotion sealed early. Fantastic stuff. You uh, obviously had a managerial change, which was quite controversial at the time, with Vicente Moreno moving to Espanyol and Luis Garcia Plaza coming in to Mallorca. So, uh, how how do you see him as uh, as a leader for the next season coming? Up? Um, well, so Luis Garcia Plaza's uh, appointment probably raised a few eyebrows because of his uh, recent track record. Obviously, he'd been in China and the Middle East, either side of uh, one month in charge of uh, Villarreal. Um, but he seems to have brought a calm and um, measured approach. He's certainly got um, the fans on side and, and it looks and, and seems very much like the club hierarchy uh, uh, with him as well. Not to mention the chemistry that he's built in the squad. So he's brought a, a great vibrance, I think, to Mallorca. Um, and he's a, he's a pragmatic manager, so he's one of those that you, you feel like you trust in him because he plays a sort of horses for courses style of football. Great stuff. Um, how do you see the squad then as we move towards the start of the season? Very close now. How how does Mallorca's line up and their and their, their wider squad? How does that stack up? Um, so the squad going into the season, it feels, in my view, it feels a little bit more complete than the last time Mallorca came up. Um, I know there's a few people that disagree with me with that, but I've got my my reasons for it. I just feel like all round the squad is a bit more balanced. We've brought in some really good additions, particularly in the fullback. You know, we've got Jaume Costa, Pablo Maffeo, um, Dominic Grave could be a really good uh, addition in terms of goalkeeper. The midfield is uh, is packed with with talent, in my opinion. I, I'd say you know a lot of people were were talking of uh, Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro as being the uh, the best midfield in Spain last season, but uh, I would say that the, the best midfield in Segunda at least was uh, Salva Sevilla, Dani Rodriguez, and. Uh, Ruiz de uh, Galareta uh, at Mallorca, uh, perhaps the uh, the Poundlander equivalent of the uh, midfield trio that Madrid had, um, or Mercadona equivalent, I perhaps would say. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that there is a striker that's missing, um, and I think there'll be some movement before the end of the window, and uh, possibly another winger who a lot of people could probably guess Mallorca are very interested in bringing him. He's just had a brilliant spell at the Olympics. Ah, indeed. I, I did see a rumour that um, Mallorca were potentially interested in signing Simi from uh, from Serie A. He scored 20 goals in last season, but that trail does seem to have run cold. In terms of goals, as it stands at the moment, I know you said you want to bring in a couple more to kind of boost that up. Where where are the goals coming from as it stands right now? Uh, last season, it, a lot of it came from uh, midfield. Um, Salva Sevilla, I think, got seven. Danny Rodriguez got a, a good number. And uh, Amath and Dai, uh, off the left wing, looked a, a bit more like a, a number nine um, at times rather than a, you know, a number eleven or uh, a left winger, I should say. And um, Abdon Prats uh, was really his goals weren't the best in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality and importance, uh, it he was instrumental in us uh, coming back up. Brilliant. And uh, I've seen you've signed Angel Rodriguez from Hetafe on a free. How important do you think he'll be in terms of his experience? I think experience is the right word. Um, you know, he only got a handful of goals last season, but I would wager that this Mallorca team would create more chances for him, even with limited time on the pitch, than a Pepe Bordelas team. Um, and I think 
he he'll bring uh, the experience head, but he'll, he'll also allow us to have a slightly different option, particularly say if we go into the last twenty fifteen minutes of a game as well. He'll, he'll be uh, more of a variety than uh, what we've currently got. Mm. Variety is the spice of life, as they say. Now, speaking as a fan, um, of course you are based in the UK, but in terms of the match-going experience at Saint-Mosh, what's the situation there regarding fans and how many will be able to attend? Uh, I've only really heard negative things from uh, a fan point of view uh, from people on the island, particularly talking about the limited numbers and the fact that social distancing measures are obviously still in place, despite the fact that you know you can go to concerts now, you can go to bars, you can sit with your friends and have a drink, but in football, uh, you've got to be socially distanced in the stadium with masks on and, and it's not going down particularly well. Um, mm. It's not been popular on the island, but I think there's there's a, a level of understanding there, but there's certainly frustration. Yeah, yeah, it's, it does seem a, a very kind of disconnect between other cultural aspects and the football. Well, let's end on a positive then. As a Mallorca fan, how excited are you for the start of the season? I'm very excited and I'm feeling a lot more optimistic this time round um, as well. Like I said, I think the... Uh, the squad has got a bit more to offer. Uh, I think that there's going to be one or two additions that will help uh, cement Mallorca's top flight status for this campaign. And I'm, I'm feeling uh, optimistic about the fact that there might be at least three teams that will be less well equipped than us for the uh, Primera. OK, well, thank you once again for joining us, Paul. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much. The third promoted club last season was Rayo Vallecano and it was a bit of a surprise because going into the final match day, they weren't the fancied side to take that, that final playoff spot. But take it they did and they, they worked wonders. They came through both the semi-final and the final with impressive young coach Andoni Iraola leading them back into the top flight. The question I suppose is, are they back too soon? Are they ready? That is the big doubt. There have been some off-the-pitch tensions. The fans, as we know, are very vocal, very um, politically aligned, and that has led to some tensions with their president. And uh, it's safe to say they don't get on at all. So if, if they can avoid any problems there, <laughs> yeah, to put it mildly, uh, if they can avoid problems there, that will hold them in great stead. But um, in, the, in footballing terms, they are, they are looking a little bit light, aren't they, Rory? Certainly for me, and we, we've seen this before with, with Elche, particularly last season, who also scraped into the playoffs and then scraped through the playoffs and managed to stay up. So history kind of instructs us because Elche weren't the only case of this. There were several, I think it's three or four of the last sides that have been promoted through the playoffs have managed to stay up. And so it is instructive that these teams perhaps maybe get a ride of the momentum that they had and the sort of feel-good factor of coming through those, that adversity. On the flip side, you do have to have to even that out with the fact that they cannot be prepared for this season in the same way that the other clubs were. They don't have a squad that would have finished in the top three in the Segunda and so you, you have to measure that up against whether, whether they can stay up. Iraola has shown himself to be very impressive and that has to be said. I watched some of the playoff final against Girona and they showed a lot of game smarts in that second leg to close out that leg. And that is the sort of thing that can really hold them in good stead. I think Iraola is the star of this show and they could require some investment though. I think 
you, you need one or two signings to sort of get you over the ledge and score you a few goals in the same manner that Lucas Boyer did for Elche last season. Yeah, so well, as you say, if Elche can do it, why can't Rio? Um, I agree that Iraola is, is the jewel in their crown. And uh, we were kind of brought to awareness of his talents the season before because he was the coach of Milandes. He kept them in Segunda, but even more uh, impressively, you could argue, he knocks out three La Liga sides on their, on their way to the semi-finals of the Copa del Rey, which was uh, a very, very impressive feat. And um, many people are looking at him as, as, as a very bright prospect in the coaching world. And uh, again, he, he might not be at Rio for very long, but if he can keep them up, he's definitely going to stay in La Liga. Certainly, yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think if he does keep them up, it might not be too long before we see him back in Bilbao. Indeed, yes, that's definitely one to watch. That could be a, an interlinked story as we go through. Now let's turn to Pamplona. Osasuna, they had a, a pretty decent season last time out and they've been pretty bold in the market. They've exercised the purchase option on Ante Budimir, who scored a shed load of headed goals last season. And with a fit again, Chimi Avila, the sky really is the limit. Add to that Kike Garcia from Eibar. They have a very impressive strike force, don't they, Rory? Certainly, certainly. And I think with these functional sides, um, we talked about Hitafe and the, their lack of goals. With these functional sides that are well-drilled, defensively solid, and will look to exploit spaces on the break, or just in general when they come up against a team that perhaps doesn't have quite the defensive solidity, if they can add goals, if they can find a method of regularly sort of scoring against the opponent and putting the opponent on the back foot, I think that's where they have real joy. And we saw Yagoba Alasate's side come through. They really went through the mill in the first half of the season and they looked, they, they weren't playing too badly, but they looked almost like they were dead and gone. But they managed to come back from that, climb up the table. And by the end of the season, they were the Osasuna that we were sort of used to in the 21st century of the, the team that's gritty, hard to beat, not pleasant at all to play at. And we saw that against Real Madrid in, in the sort of freezing conditions and this rock-hard mm. pitch. And it was just dire for Real Madrid to try and play on it. And Osasuna, even without the fans, I think they were lapping that up. And so I think a full El Sadar and a cold winter's night is a, it's a pretty um, amazing prospect for, for us and a, a pretty fear-inducing prospect for others. Yes, very daunting. Very much roll your sleeves up and get stuck in, boys, kind of uh, approach. Um, you're, you touched on El Sadar there. It's a fantastic stadium. It's been renovated and finally we're going to have some fans back. And just in general, among these clubs in the bottom half, how big an impact do you think fans will have this season? Because as we know, in some stadiums, the atmosphere can be a lot better than in others. Uh, and I'm thinking about in terms of Cadiz, the fans are going to be back there for the first time in La Liga for 15 years. At Mendy Thorotha for Alaves, they are definitely the 12th man there in a very kind of British style atmosphere. Which clubs do you think will benefit most from the fans being back? Certainly, the north of Spain has always had a relationship with British football. And the atmosphere that you see produced in British stadiums is not dissimilar in the Basque country. You, you mentioned El Sadar there, I think. It's hard to look beyond a revamped El Sadar as one of the venues that will most benefit from that. Alavés Mendy Sorota, as you mentioned. I think those northern clubs, Athletic, I think will get a huge boost from it as well. It was always an intimidating 
place to go for the big sides, certainly, when it was full at El Catedral. And so, yeah, I think those northern clubs will certainly see the benefit. It's more the, the Madrid clubs and sort of the, the bourgeoisie of the La Liga, so to speak, who've, who've maybe not had that scary atmosphere or that uh, intense atmosphere to go into. So, yeah, I think those clubs, but we mustn't forget about the Seville clubs either, where it will be absolutely rocking when it's full. Oh, absolutely. We've missed those derbies with fans packed in, haven't we? Absolutely. Okay, let's turn our attention to a couple of clubs that just about stayed up last season, they, by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> um, we've got Alaves and Elche, um, just about managing, as you say, to stay above water. Elche, of course, on the final day of the season with that win. To keep them up, uh, Huesca unfortunately the uh, the ones to go down on that occasion. So looking at these two sides, they were both rejuvenated by managerial changes. I think it's fair to say. Javi Calleja coming in at Alaves absolutely turned them around. They were just a different side under him. And Elche again, club legend Fran Escribar. Well, I say legend. He's more like a god there, isn't he? At, uh, at Elche, <laughs> certainly. The question is, can either of these sides avoid the drop again? Can they? Can they look any more beyond just fighting it out again? For Alaves, I'll preface what I'm about to say with the fact that I'm a real big fan of Javi Calleja. I think he's a good manager. He clearly has the affection of his players, certainly from his stints in Villarreal and Alaves. He came back to Villarreal after being sacked a month after, and that shows the sort of strength of him as a man-manager, that he managed not to lose the dressing room over that spell. So I have a lot of belief in Javi Calleja, but I fear that it might be a case of the boy who cried wolf for Alaves because they've just been down there and they've been fighting it out for so many seasons recently. They've been saved by Joselu in many cases. He's the goal man for them. He is the person that gets them out of trouble. He's had a few difficulties this summer. His agent has certainly been auguring for a move away from Alaves. And so I worry that this might be the season that gets them. The same thing happened for me with Valladolid last season. They were fighting it out, they were gritty and they were effective, but they were just, they never had a season of comfort, which is what I think, a season of comfort takes the pressure off you, maybe sort of gives you a little bit of breathing space and allows you to escape that drop zone. I wonder if Alaves do get sucked into it. Well, uh, as you say, I think it's going to be difficult for, for both of these clubs for the reasons you've given. Um, Hosselu is massive. If he stays, that gives them a fighting chance, I think. We've come to the end of our preview. Thank you very much for listening. And thanks to Rory, Sam, Jeff and Paul. We'll be back with our Match Day Recap podcast, rounding up all the action and talking points from the opening weekend. Until then, head over to our Twitter feed, at La Liga Lowdown, and check out our website, laligalowdown.com, where you'll find comprehensive club-by-club previews. The start of the season is imminent, and we all feel like children on Christmas Eve. We kick off with a tasty fixture at Mistaya. Valencia against Getafe. Vamos.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.